Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Basketball Strong Podcast. I'm Tim DeFrancesco, and I'm here with my co-host, Phil White. This podcast is not just for basketball junkies. It's for anyone who loves to hear the human stories behind great people. Our mission is to bring experts, legends, and hidden gems from within and surrounding the game to one place so we can share their stories and insight with you. You'll hear the stories behind the game, including trials and tribulations, setbacks, wins, losses, and lessons. Before we jump into this episode, Phil and I need your help. Take a moment to smash that follow and subscribe button, and then go leave us a review. The follow and subscribe button is that little plus sign on the top right if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And that's what's going to help us to reach as many people as possible and share with you how we can all be living a basketball strong life. That is what Phil and I are here to do. So we appreciate it and thank you in advance. This isn't just a podcast. It's a community and it's a movement. And we want it to feel that way. So be sure to visit us at www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. And you can also email us directly at Tim, that's T-I-M, at basketballstrongpodcast.com. We want to hear from you, so take us up on that. If you subscribe, give us a review, and drop us an email, we'll send you a Basketball Strong t-shirt and then automatically enter you in our rolling premium prize giveaway contest. And I'm telling you, you won't want to miss that. Now, let's go get Basketball Strong. Our guest today is three-time NBA champion Judd Bushler. Judd played alongside Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, and the rest of the Chicago Bulls as they ran roughshod over the league from 1996 to 1998. Judd was one of the original 3 and D guys and generally did whatever those Bulls championship teams needed on any given night. In this episode, Judd shares the inside story of the three Bulls championships that followed MJ's return from baseball. He also gets into what he learned from the Hall of Fame coach, Lute Olson, while at the University of Arizona. How his college teammate, Steve Kerr, mentored him during his NBA journey. What happened in MJ's first practice back from his baseball hiatus. And so much more. Let's get into the conversation. Before you don the varsity jersey... Um, what, what does that look like as you're developing toward what then turned into the trajectory for you? What does that look like day to day? Who are your mentors at that time? How are you developing your competitive spirit and your, your love for both basketball and volleyball? Yeah, well, you know, I, I grew up here in Solana Beach, California, and I, I think I just started playing. My dad got me involved playing basically it was called snuffy snuffy basketball and and i just started playing and and had some had you know great love for the sport and um just fell in love with it and then you know from there my dad got me involved in a ton of basketball camps during the summer i went to a a camp called snow valley it was up in santa barbara and it was it was a pretty hardcore camp with with uh herb, herb Livesey was the the main guy who ran it but i think the van gundys actually i think i met stan van gundy there when i was really really young and it was super early in his career but it was just camps during the summer and then basically you know 
you know, uh, youth basketball. And um, I, I had some success. And then in seventh and eighth grade, I went to a, a junior high called Earl Warren. And I was, I was one of the taller kids. And I started to develop a decent game. And I, um, I was the first seventh grader, like, in the history of the school to play on the eighth grade team. And, you know, we had great records. We went 35-1 and one my, my eighth grade year. I mean, my, when I was in seventh grade playing on the eighth grade team. And then when I was in eighth grade, we went 27-0. and 0, And that's when I really fell in love with it. You know, as a, as a kid, when you start having success and you start, you know, having some accolades and, and early on, that's when I, I really fell in love with the sport. Mm. You, you mentioned your dad was was did did he play? Did he was he was he just a sport lover, or did he how how what what kind of spurred that? Yeah, so he um, he grew up in La Jolla here, and he went to La Jolla High School, and he he played baseball. He played a lot of volleyball. That's kind of where my love for the volleyball kind of kicked in as well. He was a beach volleyball player as well as an indoor player, and he he taught school and coached teams basically baseball and volleyball for about 40 years in the, in the San Diego school district here so he was a coach you know and I, I think he just you know tried to get me in, in sports that um, just kind of give me a little taste of everything so I, I played baseball I played soccer you know soccer is always kind of the first sport out here that that you, that you play and then he got me involved and in, got me involved in basketball and, and volleyball at a pretty young age. So it was it was really in his hands. Oh, that's great. Yeah, um, that's with him working good. with him working for the school system job, were your parents both pretty serious about the academic side as well? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that was always, you know, definitely a, a big deal in our house was you know, the academic side of it as well, um, you know, the homework and the projects and everything. It was, you know, when it gets more serious when you're in high school, you, you know, it was always kind of like, I mean, obviously it's changed a lot since I was in high school, but, you know, there was always this feeling of like, listen, you, you're not, you can, you have to be only, not only a good athlete, a good player or whatever sport you're in, but you have to have the grades to get to college too, obviously, and, and to have those scores, you know, SAT scores and, and a high grade point average was definitely a priority in the house. Oh, that's interesting. Um, what benefits do you think you derived from playing soccer, from then obviously playing volleyball at a very high level as well, and playing basketball? Because some people these days especially seem to specialize so young, some of these kids. Yeah, yeah that's a great question because – I, I, I go back to Tiger Woods. I think Tiger Woods changed youth sports forever because he was such a prodigy and started so young and just jumped into one thing and just focused the entire time on golf, obviously, and turned out to be, you know, arguably, you know, maybe the greatest golfer ever. Um, I don't follow golf that closely, so I know there's some other good golfers. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, in, in the history of the sport. But, yeah, no, you know, that, that that's a great question because when I was growing up, you know, in high school I played basketball and I played baseball, and I I I wanted to play football. My dad wouldn't let me play football, but but you you played whatever you know whatever season it was. That's that's kind of what you played, you know. So I ended up playing in high school volleyball, basketball, and baseball, and and tried to do you know a lot of those. But 
I think, you know, early on, soccer is just such a great sport for kids because it's kind of your introductory into what it's like to be on a team, you know, and everything that goes into that, right? So it's the discipline at that young, young age of being on time is a huge thing, right, for everything in life, but especially, I mean, everything in life it is, for your job, for sports, for everything, and, and so you, you learn all these little things with soccer, you know, you, how to share the ball, how to be on a team, what does that mean, practicing, you develop your practice habits, um, and, and just being a good teammate, and what that means, and so um, I learned that there, and then obviously the volleyball side, volleyball was a sport that just came really, really easy to me, I, I put so much work in um, on my basketball, that I, mean, I, I was going to go play college volleyball as well. I had a number of scholarship offers to the top to the top schools to go play volleyball, but I just felt that I ended up choosing at University of Arizona is where I played basketball. I just felt like I need to see how this basketball thing goes first, and then if the volleyball if it doesn't work out, I had I had a scholarship waiting at UCLA like a fifth-year senior, if, if the basketball didn't work out, I'm, I'm really happy it did. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but, um, but anyway, yeah, just all those things, you know, youth sports has, has changed so much, especially we didn't have the club scene. There wasn't club sports really back then. You know, now there's, you know, club basketball, there's club volleyball, and it's actually become bigger than the school, as you guys know, than right. the actual teams at the schools. You know, it's like, some, some kids don't even play for their high school, which is just sad. They're like, no, I'm going to play club because that's where I'm getting recruited. That's where, you know, the club team's like an all-star team of the best players. And so a lot of the, the college recruiters, whether it's volleyball, basketball, girls softball, girls soccer, you can go watch club and you're seeing, you know, all the best players on these two teams compete instead of in high school. You know, you may have one, two, or three really high-level kids and then the rest of the kids aren't at the same level. So the whole game is is, is changed quite a bit. No, definitely. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, where you play, went to college, and, and that particular school has, you know, a legendary basketball coaching staff. Can you talk about maybe a life mm -hmm. lesson or two that you learned fr from those coaches? Yeah, you know, I, well, Rude Olson was the coach there at the time. Um, I was. It came down to UCLA. Or, or Arizona, and I just felt really comfortable with, with Lou and, and his wife at that time, who, who's passed away, Bobby. They both passed away. But um, I just felt super comfortable there, and he, he really preached fundamentals. I mean, we worked on basic, basic fundamentals every single day, um, you know, from, you know, all the different aspects of the game, from passing off the toss back to dribbling. I mean, we worked on basic pivoting, your front pivots. I mean, the, some of the basic, most basic things in basketball. And he, he taught um, fundamentals every single day. I think that's really where I developed ultimately my, my work ethic from him. And, and, and we, you know, we, I was on good teams. And, I, you know, it, along the way, you kind of learn what it's like to be on a good team and, and how to win, you know, like winning, you need, you need to kind of look, learn what that looks like and what that feels like and, and how to put that together. And Coach Olson just did an incredible job for all of us that went there during that time.
but I believe Steve Kerr played under Lute as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So Steve, Steve and I played together uh, my my freshman year. Oh, okay, you he, did. Um, he he had, he had an ACL injury that he had hurt playing ah. like the World Games. I don't know if you remember that, but but yeah, he was Steve on that was World. There. Yeah, people, one, people forget he was on that World Championship squad, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on the world championship team, and he, he, you know, that was early on for ACL, right? So it was right. like this major deal. I mean, you guys remember the size of those knee braces that you had cast them, right? They just cast them, you know? Yeah, you're, right. yeah, exactly. So he, you know, so when he, that year that he sat out, excuse me, I was a freshman, um, and then my sophomore year, he Got came it. back. We, we had a guy named Sean Elliott who was pretty darn good, too. Solid player. Yeah, a decent decent player. Along with <laughs> four, four or five, we had a bunch of we had a bunch of pros on that team. I don't want to list them all, but he came back, and then that but that year in 1988, we we went to the Final Four. We ended up losing to Oklahoma, who had a, a you know had Stacy King, Mookie mm. Blaylock, uh, Harvey Grant. They had a really good team, but you know going to getting a chance to go to the Final Four was an all time. Um, you know, huge deal for me, an all-time accomplishment. I actually, I was, I came off the bench that year, and I, you know, one of my fondest memories is, actually, you know, scoring a basket. I think I had, I had two points, but it didn't matter. I, I scored a, I scored a basket at the final four, and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Made it. I mean, it was just, oh, it was so cool. Man. But um, yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of good players on those teams. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, I mean, you you had incredible uh, success at. In high school as well, um, I think three sectional titles, and were, yeah. you know, in that role though you were, you know, you were the man. I mean, right? You were, you had mm-hmm. great teammates, I'm sure, and a great, or you know, program. But was there, when you transitioned into, as you just described, a little bit more of a, um, you know, find the the role that you can mm-hmm. fill and fill it with with Arizona and a bunch of you know, lot surefire, you know, lottery picks. Was there, was that a transition that was tough for you or that was actually pretty easy? No, it, it you know, what, what happened to me was that, you know, you're in high school, you're kind of the top player, right? With other, we yeah. had other good players, but I was the top player. And then, you know, you go to the next level and now everyone's a top player, as you yeah. guys know, right? Everybody's elite. And then you, you keep trying to figure out like, how, how am I going to get on the court? Like what? Like how can I play? How can I help this team? Mm-hmm. Whatever role that is. I mean, you know, my NBA career, I was a, a role player the entire time. I I I never really started over a eleven year career, and and as I just always wanted to feel um, like appreciated, like I brought something to the table, whatever that was, whatever how small that role was, I wanted to play it. So. Back to your original question, you're, you're, you know, I'm kind of a star in high school, and then you go to Arizona, and then I, I'm playing, you know, I'm going to get Sean Elliott every day in practice, and he's just right. taking my part every single day, you know, and, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a growth process because you go, wait a second, I'm not as good as I thought I was. This is the next level. Okay, I, I need to get stronger. I need to get in the weight room. I need to get my vertical up. I need to become a better shooter, and you just kind of go, I've got to become a better player. And and that's where back to Coach Olsen is that he really developed players. You know, not until later down the line did he start getting like McDonald's All-American. 
play, you know. Right. The guys, the Richard Jeffersons, the Luke Waltons, the Andre Iguodala's, you know, the yep. you know, Damon Stoudemire. We we didn't have those back then. I mean, we had like Sean Elliott was like we had two guys on that team, Sean Elliott and a guy named Craig McMillan that were McDonald's all American uh, all Americans. The rest of us were just you know, top-level high school guys that needed to be developed. And so mm. it was the whole thing. It was the physical part. It was mentally getting stronger and, and just growing and, and, and getting a better better grasp of the game. But you just have to make those adjustments. And, and you know, then, you know, I ended up starting some games my freshman year, but, you know, was a role player in my sophomore year. My junior year, they put me at, you know, I, I switched positions, and so I started a bunch of games. Um, my junior year and then my senior year I was the captain and, and obviously starting and playing a lot but then you know then you go to the NBA and it's even even worse now it's like I'm going against guys that are 10 years older than me that are grown men <laughs> that, have been, that have been in the NBA for 10 years you know and so that, that and now you're back to square one again how, how do I, what do I need to do how, how am I going to improve and, and, and become an important part and to be able to help a team win games Whatever that role is, if your role's, hey, you're gonna come in and play defense for five minutes and come out, just just do it to the to the best of your ability. And I think because of my attitude and the fact that I was willing to to do that, it, it kept me in the league a lot longer than than I than I ever thought. Where'd that uh, Where'd that attitude come from? Where did that Was that instilled in you? Was that just that was you You, you don't know it was there. Well, yeah, I, I, it's it's a great question. I, I I'm not quite sure because a lot of guys don't have that. Attitude. Right. That's what I, exactly. You know, a lot of guys. I don't know. I I think it was again from kind of my mom and dad that just kept me grounded. Yeah. I have to say that I was I had an incredible group of friends that whenever I thought I was getting a big head, they would just bring me right down to earth. You know, I, I didn't have people around me that were telling me I'm the greatest thing of all time. You know, which right. I feel like, I feel like in this day and age from a very young age, these kids have their, their group of people, their, their supporting cast, whether it be their parents, their friends, agents early on that just tell them how great they are. You know, yeah. and, and build them up that they're the next greatest thing, and that that that's not doing them any favors because if they fail, then they're then they're lost. But right? They, like, what, what do you mean? You you told me I was the greatest thing ever. Well, now I'm failing because they're going to fail. Failure is yeah. a part of life. It's a part of getting better. You you know that old thing that you you learn more from failure than you do success, and I I I, I believe that. You know totally. that. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I, I think it was my parents. I had great coaching. I had a great high school coach. And I got um, a man named Neville Sainer who played at UCLA under John Wooden. So he had like the whole wooden mindset thing going. And then I had a great college coach. And so I think it was coaching and my parents and also my, my peer group kept, kept me in line, you know, kept, kept me straight. Within that, um, that's perfect. That, that wooden mindset, what were some takeaways from, from Coach Wooden's philosophy that he was able to instill in you um, with regard to the mental game and your kind of your mindset approach to the game of basketball? Yeah, you know, he. I, I ended up using my, my daughter was a very uh, high level. She, she was on a full ride scholarship and started and played volleyball at UCLA. So 
um, just just his, you know, everything about John Wood. I mean, you know, the pyramid of success and all of that. But you know, what one of the things I, I really took away from him um, as as a player, but but more so as a parent of of a high level, is just that I, I you know, you you have to be so thankful about that that you're even in the position that you're in. That I don't know if that I don't I don't know if that came out right, but like I was always just so grateful. I never took anything for granted. Mm. I, I never thought, oh, I'm in the NBA, I'm gonna be in the NBA for twelve years, you know, you know. No, I I, I fought and I clawed and I knew I was lucky. I knew I appreciated being there. I felt very fortunate to be a part of that. I felt you know, in return, when I was watching my daughter play games, I just celebrated the fact that she was out there. And if she made mistakes, she, everyone makes mistakes, right? And you just move on from it and just celebrate the fact that how lucky we are to be healthy and be out there and be competing at that level. No, I love that. It's a really perspective. Coach Wood, yeah, perspective and then Coach Wooden's emphasis on, on gratitude and just feeling that you're blessed and then yes. acting acting like you're blessed and, and trying to make the most of the opportunity exactly. maybe. Yeah, I, and I think I think a lot of that is unfortunately missing in today's day and age in, in sports across the board, not just basketball, but right. you know, all, all all of them. You know, it's just there needs to be. I think the word you said that I should have brought up is gratitude. Right? It's like you yeah. know, my my daughter would go back and she'd be serving for match point in the Pac-12 championship. You know, and it and it. And I just, if she missed it, I just hug her afterwards and just would tell her, "Hey, I'm so proud of you to even be in that position. Yeah, and be confident enough in yourself in front of all those people on TV to even serve the ball. You know what I mean? And if you miss, you miss. It's okay. I'm just, I just took a different mindset with it and just, you know, on, on gratitude, appreciation, and just being super proud of the situation. No, I love that. Um, and you, yeah. me- you, meant, you mentioned when you got to the league, having to claw and scrap um, and, and just yeah. work your tail off every day, very probably during the season, then even more so in the off season, I'm guessing. Um, what did that process teach you about yourself? And how did you really apply what's now called, like, I guess, a growth mindset to, to your time in the NBA that allowed you to stick around for a dozen plus years? Yeah, I... I... I don't know. I, I I just knew that I, I pretty much had to work as hard or harder than, than everybody else, and whatever that meant, you know. And I I had I had really good strength and conditioning coaches along the way that had programs for me, off season programs, and, and I would follow these things religiously. I mean, whatever it said, I I, I would do. Unless you know, I wasn't I was injured, but I wasn't injured a whole lot. But I mean, I would follow whatever whatever they said for me to do i i would always actually probably do more you know what i mean and right. that was that was the only way i could survive is 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 to work super hard and the majority of my career you know i i, I was never really on a, a guaranteed contract i was on a you know a minimum make good contract for most of my career and kind of until the very the very end when i had a couple really good years but and I, I was able to, you know, secure a, a bigger contract. But, you know, that's that, that keeps you humble. That keeps you hungry. When you're, you know, when your job's on the line 
and you're competing against other guys that, you know, I, I knew they were working, right? They're working on the off season, you know, and so I, I had to step my game up and just, um, you know, be, be smart. And, and I think, you know, again, I, I'll circle back. I'll, I think a lot of my um, longevity in the NBA was due to um, my attitude, my work ethic, and the fact that, you know, I someone once told me, listen, you know, the head coach is really playing. You know, in NBA, you play eight, DD, what, like eight, nine guys in rotation most of the time, Timmy? I mean, that's right, what, right. What, what they play. And so someone told me, listen, if you're – if you're 10, 11, and 12, which I was for a lot of my career, the coach doesn't want to have to deal with you. Yeah. He, doesn't want, he doesn't want 10, 11, and 12 complaining, right? So, <laughs> you know, because he's dealing with one through eight, one through nine, you know, the guys that are out there. So I just worked my tail off and just made sure that when I got a chance, I was ready, but I, I never complained. Well, I yeah. think there's a lot of guys at the end of benches in, in all sports that are thinking, I should be out there. I mean, you always want to play. We all want to play. If you don't want to play, you shouldn't be on the team, right? Sure. I mean, we all want to compete and get out there. But, like, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a complainer. I kept my head down. I did the work. Um, you know, I, I, I went at guys super hard in practice. And, and I, I think because of that attitude, it, again, it, it kept, me in, kept me in the league a long time. For sure. Well, um, yeah. we'll – Talk about some of your your more famous teammates and coaches in a minute, but those first few years in the league was there someone that you looked to either as a direct mentor that you had access to, like a Steve Kerr um, or Sean Elliott or any other product of Arizona and Luke Olson's uh, great program there, or maybe that someone you just observed from afar that really kind of you know either directly or indirectly help you navigate you know some of those pitfalls and and essentially stay in the league because obviously to to have success you've got to have some degree of longevity yeah. as well yeah I, I i would i would probably point to steve most of the time i mean steve steve was always um i mean he was you know like a, a fifth year senior i mean he was a senior when i was a freshman so it's funny because when we were in college I mean, we were teammates and close, but we weren't like close, close because I'm four. You know, I'm way right. younger than he is. Way right. younger than he is. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, but but he he was a guy like he hired his agent, and I reached out to him, and I needed an agent, and I went with his agent, and then like halfway through his career, he changed agents, and I'm like, well, what are you doing? If you're, I mean, whatever he did, I was like, I'm following you. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not quite sure if you guys know this, but he has anything he touches turns to gold. So, so yeah, he's he's so, done he's done a nice job. He's done okay. He's done okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know, he, he's just he he was a mentor for sure. If I had any, if I had was struggling or doing whatever, I I could reach out to him and you know. And then when we we ended up playing together in Chicago for you know for four years, that's when you know, our friendship really got super serious. And then he was incredible for me there because he really helped me navigate a lot of, a lot of landmines that were going on there. And he helped me out with uh, making some career decisions. You know, you get to, you know, along, along the path of a career, you get to some forks in the road, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're like, am I taking this? Am I going to the right? Am I going to the left? You know, I had a chance to go to Europe play and, and make more money 
or should I go here? And, and you know, for for a non-guaranteed, I mean, there was you come to forks in the road where where you need to be guided by you know by some people that that have you know have their head screwed on straight, and 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 he really helped me in, in a, with a lot of those things. Yeah, that's so I love important that. to have somebody that you can lean on. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you, before we get too far away from the the Arizona chapter, I, I've always yeah. been curious. The, 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 the was there overlap on the volleyball and the basketball season? Was there? I mean, because you played both all four years, right? Well, so so the 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 schools at that point in time at Arizona, it was it was it was a the men, they still don't have a men's team there. It was kind of considered a club team. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so there's not no there's no pack there at UCLA where I was going to go. I was getting recruited for volleyball and basketball, and they're both NCAA, obviously Division One. You know, sure, sport. sure, but not at Arizona. So, so it just it just wasn't in Arizona. I'm not quite sure why there just wasn't enough support for it, and it's they still don't have it. So interesting. I really I really went away. I mean, I went away from the volleyball. Just I went all in on the basketball, and and I played a little club out there because I the fun, my, my most fun memory is I played intramurals volleyball out there. <laughs> now that I love it. By the way, it was co-ed intramurals. Okay, it was nice. Clutch. Okay? It was nice. Had the, had the gals out there too. And that Clutch. Was really yeah, that was that was super fun, and, and but no, I I didn't really. I just committed totally. I actually during my college years in Arizona, I played in a couple of AVP pro tournaments on the beach, two man. I'm really? not. Yeah, I, I played in a couple of those with with with. I got asked to play in those, but see, I was still considered an amateur, so I couldn't take any money. I think my the you know the guys that asked me to play like that because they knew they they would get the whole purse if we went <laughs> and I and I couldn't take any but so I, I just kind of stayed up with the volleyball I mean it was it, it was a it was a pretty um, you know it, I the, the volleyball comes super easy to me or did and, and so I, I just went all in on the basketball so there wasn't really to answer your question go back again. There wasn't really an overlap because the whole commitment was basketball. Got it. And then, and then if there was like, hey, the club team's playing, you know, blah 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 blahs coming in town. Do you want to play? I'd go out and practice twice with them, and and then I could just go out there and play. Was there something about the basketball side of it where there was like a challenge there that there wasn't on volleyball, or that you? Because you said, I, I just want to see what I can get out of this, yeah. and, and you didn't really know, whereas volleyball seemed more like a, a sure sure shot for you. Yeah. Well, if you wanted it. I, yeah, I just put so much time into the basketball. Like, like not twice as much, like, you know, five times as much. Like, like volleyball was almost like a hobby, like just on the side type. Right. Of, you know, from a very, you know, I didn't go to a lot of volleyball camps. I didn't. I wasn't playing volleyball. Was just played at the beach with my dad, and then I played a little bit. I played started playing indoor in high school, and that's when I kind of took off with it, you know, for for fun. And it was a club sport in high school too. It wasn't like a CI. It wasn't a sanctioned thing. So it was just kind of like this thing over there that I loved to play, but 
I put so much time in, you know, just blood, sweat, and tears with going to these camps and this on this basketball. I'm like, I just have to see how this is going to play out. And if it doesn't play out, then I I, I knew I had something to fall fall back on with with the volleyball that I could compete at a high level with with the volleyball. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so just real quick, one more question about your Arizona days before we, we go return sure. to your time in the NBA. Um, what did the Olsons, and you mentioned Luke Olson's wife as well, what, what did the Olsons teach you about how to be a man in this world? Um, and, and did they help you grow as a person um, above and beyond whatever Luke was able to teach you on the basketball court? Yeah, I, I think just, basic basic values you know about being a good person and and being a good team i mean they they made it a family situation you know i was kind of leaving it was almost like he was like this secondary you know mother and father to to all of us obviously we have our mom and dads or whatever but you know it was like it was such a family and just hard work um you know um humility um, you know, being, you know, gratitude. I mean, all those, all those things that, you know, they, they kind of taught us, um, about being just, just a good person in this, you know, treating others that how you want to be treated, like you're just basic stuff, but it, it was, they made a point of it. I mean, it was important to them to like, you know, once we left there, left the school and graduated that you, you were a young man that had, had had a had solid values on on how to you know live your life basically. I mean, they did a great job with that. Wow, yeah, that's an amazing. I love hearing these stories of you know folks like yourself that have learned um, at the feet of these people who are obviously very accomplished as professionals. In the, in this case, yes, as um, a coach and his wife, but um, yeah, just the personal interaction and, and the development of human beings outside of whatever happens sports is pretty fascinating yeah it's, it's huge right i mean it's huge you know you want to you want to you want to go into college you go in there you know whatever 18 and you leave it what 17 18 and you leave four years later and you're you're really a young man and you need to be ready for whatever's out there you got to not only that's what's that's what's so great about coaching the great ones prepare you for life not just making a better athlete or a better shooter or a better dribbler or whatever, right? The, the good ones prepare you for everything that you're going to face in your life. It, it, forget forget sports, you know, forget, you know the, all the pitfalls that, right. that we all run into, you know. Speaking of coaching, was there, uh, you know, you it kind of came in with, uh, I guess, the Nets, right? Seattle drafted you. Yep, yep. And then you didn't spend time in Seattle immediately to the Nets, right? And then right straight to the Nets, yeah. Yep. And then a, a a bit with the Spurs, and then kind of you know Golden State after that before the Bulls uh, time. Were there coaches that that early sort of chapter of the NBA time for you that that really helped you to kind of set the tone for what became a, a, a really successful time in the league? Well, I, I my 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 first year was Bill Fitch, mm. who yeah good yeah Bill, Bill Fitch, which I I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, my my first year, and then I then I had Larry Brown, and actually his assistant was a guy named Greg Popovich in San Antonio. 
Heard yeah, of so I had some, some guy, yeah, some some guy called Greg. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of, heard of him, but he both those guys are pretty much Hall of Famers. But I wasn't there very long. I had Don Nelson in um, Golden State. Can you give us a Nelly? Can you give us a quick Nelly side story that's uh, that, that that's you know safe for for the airwaves? I, I if it, there's nothing safe. No, was incredible. We had, we had, he and I kind of had a tricky relationship. I, I respected him. I, I think he wanted more of me as a player. Um, and so we, it, it, to be honest with you, Nelly and I, that that was probably my first coach that I've ever run into. That we had, we he and I had a hard, really hard relationship. Um, wow. I, I I think he 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 brought me in there and felt like I should have been better than I was, and he he was hard on me. He was super hard on me, and um, and, but but with that, I'm grateful because you know I I think I grew from that. You know, I I never really had a coach that was that that hard on me before, and then then basically that's that's kind of where I got a got to the fork in the road after Golden State, I was either going to go to Europe or, or go, go play for the Chicago Bulls and, you know, and to make good contract and the whole thing and kind of roll the dice. And that's that, you know, that's one of those big, big forks, you know, because if I go to Europe, we're probably not talking on the phones right now. <laughs> but, uh, but, I don't but, know. Uh, I think we would have. You know, I, I... <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you know, you, who knows what would have happened? But that that changed that changed my career. That changed my life. That right that decision, and basically, you know, Steve Steve was the one that that pushed me on that. He he was there. He had been there. He thought they would really really value the type of player I was because they were super into the, remember the triangle offense and sure. you know you had you had to be fundamentally sound. You had to do the right pivots and all this stuff and you, you had to be a you had to you had to make leads in that offense. You couldn't you had to have a brain on 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 your shoulders and you had to be able to read situations. This option's taken away, this option so I go here. You know, you couldn't you had to you had to be have a have a basketball IQ. And and that's what I did and I, I wasn't I was never a great one on one basketball player so the triangle allowed me to play in this system where I didn't really have to ever I would get shots out of the system it wasn't just like isolation ball where like when I was in, in Golden State with with you know with, with with coach Nelson with Nelly he was really developing small ball and isolation ball like you know miss mismatches and mm. he, he, I, I would get put in a situation where he was like putting me in and I I couldn't that wasn't my game I wasn't right. a great one-on-one player you know and so um I got to Chicago and 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 that changed everything for me because of that offense and that style no that's great um uh, that so, am I right in thinking that your first year was Michael's um, during Michael's hiatus with baseball? Yes. Yep. So, what can yeah. you give us a little compare and contrast? Like, t- t- well, just tell us the story of your first year. So, you know, Steve kind of guides you towards. Look, man, the only league that matters is is the league, right? Um, as, as TD yep. called it yep. earlier, the league, and then. 
you know, I think you'll be a good fit here and here's why, you know, maybe here's what I told the coaching staff about you. Um, so kind of walk us through, you know, the first few days in Chicago and just tell us a little bit about what that first year was like while Michael was, um, was still playing baseball. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I, this, we could basically, I mean, I hope you guys are ready. For, I, I could talk through dinner right I got now. popcorn, hey, yeah. baby. I got popcorn. Hey, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah let's so, do it. I, I'm so, in a very comfy chair. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so so anyway, I I thought my start there was, was really interesting. So I decided to go there. Steve says they're going to love you. I ended up signing there, and I had to go to a pre-camp not the main training camp. I had to go to a pre-camp with 18 guys, and they were going to take two of the 18 guys of those 18 to the main camp. So this was, was part of the sign. This was part of your your proposed deal, or that was what the deal like? How how did because that kind of thing doesn't really happen that way anymore, does it? No, no. So basically, I signed. Right. Wow. NBA, NBA, NBA deal. And yeah. Go, well, we want you to go to a mini camp. Wow. Before, before the big camp. So there were 18 guys there and they told us they're taking two. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, it, it's not all just. Were you, you know, surprised at that moment or you kind of knew, okay, this was probably. Well, I, I, I just, I didn't know. I'm like, I'm just going to go. Wow! Hey, you fall back on competing, and so, so anyway, I, I, you know, I got there, and and then the the legend of Tex Winter. I don't know if you guys know know that name, but he's kind of the architect of the triangle. He was all he was an old school coach, and he was all about fundamentals. And immediately, I was like, okay, this guy is my guy and I think he really likes me because I can like actually pivot and no one else can. <laughs> so, so anyway, he, um, you know, I, I, I we had like a, a four day mini camp and at the end they're like, I think the guy, the kid's name was from Illinois, Bardo. I think his name was Steve Bardo maybe or this kid that, and he's like, you know, Bushler and Bardo, you guys, you know, you guys are in and everyone else, you guys, you guys can go home. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so so that was crazy. And then, you know, I, I went through training camp with them and um Michael's not there. And I go through training camp and I, I have some decent preseason games. They're giving me some minutes and everything. And then they get to the end and you know, Jerry Krause, the late Jerry Krause, pulled me in and said, you know, here here's the deal. We we love you, but two things have to happen. We have to put you on, we, we don't have a spot for you right now. We can put you and we, we, we can release you or you could go on, you know, on the injured reserve list, you know, with the quote unquote wink back spasms. Right. Do you, do you remember those days? Right. 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 Yeah. 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 <laughs> so of course I didn't have back spasms, but right. Um, so they put, and I was smart enough to realize, listen, every single NBA team is, is cutting, making cuts right now. Like, it's not like teams have available sites. So I'm like, no, I, I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay and, and wait my chance. And like one of my very best friends to this day, a guy named Larry Kostoviak, about two weeks into the season, his knee went south and his knee started bothering him. It was just blowing up. He was kind of at the end of his career. And that's, 
it's so funny because he's one of my best friends and lives like four miles from me right now. But he wow. he ended up he ended up life's weird. He ends up going on the IR and I get my chance. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Never I mean I, I was out. I never I don't think I went back on IR for the next four years ever. But talk about I mean, talk about the uh the preparation and the you know the being ready and the decisions yeah. like you said, the, the 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 you know decisions you had to make to be able to you know be up for that moment to happen. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a ton. It was a ton of you know staying afterwards. You know, first first one in, last one to leave. I mean, that that was my motto, especially when Michael came back, because I wanted him to feel like I wasn't taking things for granted, and I was like, I'm going to beat him to the gym every single day, and I'll stay longer than him. You know, whatever, because I I was trying to earn my earn my keep. But no, you, you just you know, the extra shots, the, keeping yourself in shape, just just ready because, you know, you, you get you get these moments, you know, if you're not a superstar, you get these moments where they, like, call on you and you're in and you, you need to perform, you need to play well, you know, and, and you don't think of it like that, but that's really what it is, right? Like, you wait your chance and you get your chance and you, you need to make the most of it. So it was just... All, you know, all all the extra shots, all the extra sprints, just staying readily, staying mentally ready, understanding the offense, you know, knowing the game plan, and just being totally, you know, totally, totally locked in on 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 doing positive things out on the court. So that's so powerful. Great. So yeah, so tell us a little bit. So obviously, um, you know, that season goes through. Um, you're now not having to go through this kind of trial by fire selection after you think you've already got a spot process, which must have been kind of strange, yeah. or at least, you know, to the modern player in today's game, as TD alluded to. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the postseason that particular year? Yeah, so we had, you know, it was interesting because the baseball, you know, we got all the way through that season, and we were having a decent a decent year. We, we, were, we were a playoff team, right? But we weren't. Right. And, and um that first year, you know, we all of a sudden the baseball, you know, if you're just following sports, right, they're on strike or whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I show up to the it was the place is called the Birdo Center, it's the old practice facility, and mm-hmm. I walk in and I immediately can feel the, the there's something going on. <laughs> it, 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 it is a it is like I could just it's a density of I don't even know how to explain it. Like intensity. I mean I just walked in the back door by the weight room and I, I walk into the, the locker room and, and one of my favorite teammates, Ron Harper, is there. And he's you know, he's getting changed in his lock, locker and I, I turn to Harp and I, I say, Harp, what's going on? And he, he looks up at me and gives me this look, and I'll never forget it. And he's, I'll never forget this line. He says to me, the man is here. <laughs> and I I was like, the man is here. I mean, I, I literally didn't I, – and I just let, let it go, right? So I go to my locker, put my gear on. I'd walk in the training room to get taped, and, and, there, and there's Michael getting taped for practice in his gear. And oh my that, that was 
that was that was intense. You know? <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, for a lot of us, besides besides a few guys that year, no one had ever played with them because the, you know the, the early championships, you know, in the early '90s, and then you know, guys. There was a lot of guys on the team, new players, Randy Brown, myself, Steve Kerr, Bill Wennington, Tony Kuko. I mean, was, you go down the list of guys, Ron, I mean, that had never played with him, had always been on opposing teams, you right. know. And he's an intimidating dude, you know. And so it, it was, it was, we all, we, we went out and practiced, and he did, a, he did, he warmed up with us and did a few things, but the very first practice that year, at the end, Phil split up the teams, and you know he had Scotty on one side with you know a team and Michael on the other, mm. and I happened to be on on Michael's team, and and we came down on the wing, you know, and and he threw it to me on the wing, and I pulled up and I I hit I hit the shot, the shot I, I made the shot and I ran back and he stuck his hand out, and we get you know I, I gave him a five and I tell people this all the time I almost just ran out of the gym and just and just 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 retired. You were like George George Costanza ending on a high note in that one Seinfeld episode. It, it, way, what, what, make why, one why, good why, point, why, everyone laughs, and you just leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, threw me the ball, I made the shot, he gave me a high five, I mean, I'm out of here, right? You're, you're, you're the greatest oh player God. ever, right? So anyway, and, and to get along, to move it along, is that we ended up playing – we ended up going to playoffs. We lost that year to an Orlando team that was really good. You know, Penny Hardaway, yeah. Shaq, yeah. Nick Anderson, and they'd been together, right? And we were trying. I mean, Michael came back with like fourteen games, eleven games left. Or right. something. It wasn't a lot of games, you know. He wasn't in basketball shape. He hadn't played, and and so I really believe that that season because of how it ended. I don't know if you guys remember, but we lost and, and, and Nick Anderson stole the ball from Michael. Sure. And, and, and that, that sealed the, that, that, that clinched it for them to beat us in the series. And we ended up losing and the, and the season was over. But I really believe that that series, maybe even that play fueled this fire under our team and under him. Yeah. You know, because that was the next year we come back they had Dennis Rodman to the mix, and that was the seventy-two and ten year where we we broke the record and and you know had had the greatest record. You know we were just we were, you know that was before the war. I mean that we were forty-four and three at one point. I mean it was insane. We were just and we were crushing everybody, crushing people. I mean it wasn't even stable. It was so much. It was so much fun. Like you'd go on the road, and it wouldn't even matter. We'd be beating people by twenty on the road. Right, and so, so that next year we we were seventy two and ten. We won the championship, and then the following year, you know, we we won it again. Then we won it again. We won it three years in a row. So, but I, I believe because of that, the way that first year ended when Michael came back really fueled him and the rest of us to go. We're not going to let this happen again. You know? Yeah, that's and, that's part of it. He's not going to let it happen. Again, you know. Yeah. So what did that his his resolve then of this is never happening to me personally again, and this is never yeah. happening to our team again. And, and while I'm playing, the only result is we are going to win the championship, whatever it takes. 
how did that manifest itself day to day with him in practice? And then what did you observe um, in terms of your role in all of that and, and how he, he came back and his results that, that following off season? Yeah. Well, maybe I should take a step back. I mean, I, these are all my per. I don't know exactly what Michael was thinking. I just know him from what I know of him. And he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's just a competitive monster. I've never met anyone ever. I've been with a lot of competitive people. I mean, he's one of those guys that whatever you're doing, there has to be a winner and a loser, you know, and, and, and I mean anything, right. I mean, he's just that, that competitive. And so I, I just, those were my beliefs. I, I think he, I think, you know, I think it, mo- I'm, I'm sure that motivated him because he always used little things to motivate him. I don't know, but that's just, that, these are just my personal beliefs. But, you know, we came back and that training camp was super intense. Um, I mean, he, he was very focused on not only getting himself ready, but getting the rest of us. Like he, he really, he challenged all of us because he needed to know that if we got into the finals and you got into the thick of it, who we could trust. Mm. And, and, and so a lot of us had never been to the finals, right? Cause it was a whole new team. Right. And so it wasn't, I don't think the only person that was left from the, the, the first three, I, I think, I think was Scotty. So he obviously had the trust in Scotty, but, he needed to trust the rest of us. And so he, the practices were insane, insanely intense, highly, highly competitive. Um, I always felt like our practices were tougher than the games, especially that, that year. So my, my whole, my whole thing was, is that I I was a role player. I was going to come off the bench. And when I got in there, I was going to, you know, bring, really good energy. At, at that point, I kind of hung my hat on, I was a good defender. At yeah. that point, I, I was, you know, I was, I'm six, seven, I've got long arms. I, 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 I could guard, you know, I was kind of a, you know, Steve Kerr says I would have made like, you know, a hundred million dollars now because I can guard everybody and I can make a three. But three and D I, I, guy, I think, baby, three and D guy. I, I think he's just saying that to, you know, make me feel good because I didn't make any money, but, <laughs> But but anyway, you know, I, I, I could guard different guys, and I would come in, and I knew how to do the triangle. And then if you left me open, I was a capable shooter. And I developed yeah. a, a decent – I became – I started to stretch my range over the summer, each summer going, okay, I'm not having any success in there with the Velociraptors in the key, okay? I mean, these guys are <laughs> – you know, they're, they're long. They're, I mean, I, I hate ball. I'm throwing up in there. So I need to develop something else. So I developed – a three-point shot, and so if you left me open, I could knock it down in a, in a decent, a decent percentage. But I don't know. You, you just kind of fall into your role, and I think that was one of the most special things about those teams in Chicago. Is everyone? Phil didn't even have to tell us. I mean, everyone's role was so defined, mm. and it was like, this is my job. This is my. You know, Michael has the big job. Right, Scotty has a huge job, you know, and, and you go down and like you just knew what your role was. I mean, Michael mm. wasn't asking myself to score twenty five points a game. That's not happening. But 
he needed me to come in and play defense and play smart and knock down an open shot, you know. And yep. so if I did that, he's like, you're doing your role. That's what, you, yep. that's what your role is. And so the roles were so well-defined, it was just a machine. Like everyone knew when they were going in. And it would change a little bit on matchups, you know, depending right. on who the matchup is or whatever. Hey, you know, this guy's in the second unit. That's your matchup. But, like, you kind of knew when you were going in, you know, what, what you needed to do. And so everyone was just so in, in, in tune and in sync on, on what what it took for our team to be successful, that it was just a beautiful thing. And, you know, I, I you know, you look back at, you know, we, we, you know, obviously we've got three guys on that team, four now, that were Hall of Famers, right? Tony Kukos just went in. Sure. Dennis, yeah, Dennis, Scotty, and Michael. I mean, there's four Hall of Famers. Phil's in the Hall of Fame. Steve Kerr's going to be in the Hall of Fame for his yep. career, but more coach. But he also did win, you know, six NBA championships in play. I mean, so. Oh, by the way. Very, yeah, it was a very, it was a very, I mean, we, we were loaded. I mean, we had the best six man in Tony Kukoc, right? Yeah. We had the best the best player in the world. We had a top five player in the world. And we had, like, the best defender rebounder in the world. I mean, we were we were loaded. You know, yeah. I mean, we were good. So, <laughs> so that's why we, we won. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was, those were, that, that, was a, that was a special time in my life because we, uh, you know, I went to Chicago and I left with three championships and, and two beautiful daughters. So those yeah. years in Chicago – um, we're, you know, we're, we're like four of the best years of my life for sure. And that was, that was incredible, but. Yeah. yeah. How did you special, handle? Special. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to interview Nick Gill, who, um, Tim's good friends with as well as the strength and conditioning coach for the New Zealand All Blacks. And obviously yep. the All Blacks have the highest win percentage of any national team in the last 150 years mm-hmm. in any sport. And so a question I oh, asked wow. him, I'll ask you now, um, how did you, as a team, handle having a target on your back every single time you went out there in a Bulls uniform, particularly after Michael came back? Because everyone's bringing their best stuff against the Bulls, right? No, it, it, I think we – I think – I mean, I, I felt like we thrived off of it. I, I don't know. It was, you know, it could be a – you know, back then Cleveland was, you know, not – we're talking pre-pre-LeBron, right? Mm. So – it could be Cleveland or, you know, whatever we went. If it was a Tuesday night in January, you know, 16th, the place was packed. It was a show, right? And so we were always going to get the the opponent's best. But we knew over a 48-minute game they would wear down, right? Mm-hmm. And every single team, that the hype was so big when the Bulls came to town, right? And so, yeah, the Bulls and then – the energy in the building, and they'd come out, and maybe they would be up eight to two on us or something, you know. I mean, it's fifteen right. to six, and you're just like, that's it's a super lot of time before we walk you down, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, so I, I, I never, to answer your question, I, I, I don't remember ever feeling like, oh my God, we have a target. I, I, I think, I mean, that was we, we just. I think we like relished the moment, you know, it wasn't, it, there wasn't any anxiety about that. I guess what I'm trying to say, it wasn't like, Oh my God, everything's coming after us. No, we are the best team. We know we're the best team and they're coming, you know, we're, we're being hunted, but we're hunting them. Like we, yeah. we, we had that much, that much,
swagger, that much confidence, and not not cocky, but just that much confidence in, in who we were as a team, you know. Was there a team that you look back or a series in a play, in a playoff, in any of those three playoff runs, where you look back and, and or you and your teammates have, you know, even talked about this and, and did at the time anyways that, Man, that that one is a feather in our cap because they 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 actually did push us. That was you know they they took the best out of they, the the best shot at us. Yeah, well, I, I would say it's easy. The, the thing that the team that jumps out is Utah. The yeah. Utah Jazz had we played them, you know, in in, in the finals um, two two years, and they had an incredible team. I mean, they had. You know, two Hall of Famers, John Stockton, Carl Malone. Um, they 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 had really good pieces around them. That that place is one of the most difficult places to play. Tim, I mean, do you you know that from yeah. your your run, right? I mean, you go to Salt sure. Lake, try and try and win a game in there. It's hard. Good luck. It's a, it's a hard place to win a game, and so, you know, they actually. One of the years they actually had a better record. They had the home. I think they had home court against. Mm. Them. They had like a better record. I mean, they, they that was their window to win a championship. And unfortunately, Michael was in that window, and so it wasn't going to happen. But right. we, yeah, we really we had some really tough ones again in the finals. Obviously, was against them. Really, where we felt like, wow, like you know that 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 was. Not that we were lucky to get through that, but that that's no. a really good team. I, I, you know, in, right. in the East, we, we played Miami a bunch. You know, that was Pat Riley and Lonzo Mourning and Dan sure. Riley and Timmy Hardaway and a bunch of other good players down there. So that that became a little bit of our our rival, you know, and they they pushed us a little bit too. The problem was is that. We all loved to go down to Miami to get out of Chicago because it was so nice <laughs> down there. We we were like, oh, this is still wow, this is nice and warm. It's easy to get warmed up. And right. Out playing, Michael's out playing like thirty six holes of golf on <laughs> the day of the game. <laughs> oh my god, it was, it was, that, was, that, was different, that was a different time. But there were teams. I mean, we we were dominant, but there was some. You know, Seattle the first year we played the Seattle SuperSonics. That sure. was Gary Payton, Nate McMillan, um, Detlef Shrimp about a kid named Sean Kemp. I mean, those are good, <laughs> really good teams. You know? Right. Um, you know, George Carl was the coach. He's, you know, phenomenal coach. I mean, they, you, you you get to that point in, in, in a final, and, and it's, it's uh, I mean, those, those those are the two best teams. You know, that's, sure. that's why they're there. That's why they're sure. there. No, so I have sure. to go back, and I, I want to, you know, take – have you take – I'm I'm interested when you took that pass in the practice, the first practice, MJ yeah. passes ahead. Are you a guy? Are you a guy where at that moment you're just so locked in? You know, I I don't even know what's happening around me. I catch the ball, I shoot the ball, I make the ball. Or are you thinking about what's about to? Ha- are you thinking this through at that moment? Um, before I, I, before I, you I, drill I, the shot, by the way. Yeah, I, I think one of the best things that happened to me is when I got to Chicago. And Phil's whole in the moment Zen stuff. I, I was just playing. 
Yeah. I, I wasn't even yeah. thinking about yeah. it, you know. It, it didn't really dawn on me until he stuck out that gigantic mitt of a hand, <laughs> you know, that is it, twice the size of everybody else's. But, right. you know, I, I, I was just, you know, you, you're just, what's the, you know, it, the first, the first practices, the first games, you know, we, we all were standing around kind of watching him. Mm. Phil, you know, we had a film session where, you know, Phil was like, hey, listen, there's no more, no more watching, Michael. You know, get comfortable, play, you know, because, you know, you're, you know, we'd all been on opposing teams and, and we're, you know, in awe of the guy, you know, yeah. just, you know, and so it took a little while to get comfortable. But no, that, that first, that first practice, you know, you're you're just you're just playing. You're just, you're just playing, playing in the groove and, 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 and just lock in the moment. Well, well I, I think that. probably to to be, you know, successful next to him, you, you have to have that ability, otherwise you're 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 just sort of, you know, watching. Yeah, no, you have, you have to. You you just you just kind of shut everything else off and just kind of totally put yourself into the game and, and, and be the whole mindfulness and yeah. I just want to feel, you know, being being mindful, being in the moment, not worried about what happened in the past. Not you can't control the future. Just being in the moment, and that was something that Phil really hit home in Chicago, and, and that really resonated with me because, and, and I when I was started coaching and coaching my daughter in volleyball, I, I, I that was my main message, you know, mm. because. You know, it's it's a game of mistakes, and if you're going to let that mistake, that turnover, ruin the next five plays for you, you're not going to be very successful. You know, so sure. um, you know, sh- short short term memory, pretty much in every sport, is is, is critical because you know you, you you can't get caught up in that or worried about what's happening next. You know, just just being mindful and in the moment was huge. No, I love that. Um... There's obviously a lot of people like Tim and I have rewatched The Last Dance over and over, and we love it, and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that love it. But there are also those, um, and even there's a few books coming out now, and we're not trying to get controversial with you or try to put words in anyone's mouth because, as you said before, you know, this is just your perspective. But one of my yeah. favorite bits is where Michael is almost tearing up and saying, look, everyone says, oh, Jordan's this asshole, you know, just try to dominate everybody. Yeah. and." But leadership comes at a cost, and winning comes at a cost. And then he said, like, time out, like, cut the camera, time out. Um, and that, to me, was really moving because it showed that he cared about the guys around him, the coaches, yourself as a player, the other teammates. But he also was aware of how, you know, he's self-aware enough to know how he was, is perceived and, you know, how his run-ins with Scotty Burrell mm-hmm. and him pushing Scotty and, you know, everything else yeah. might be perceived through this documentary. So, again, without trying to put words in your mouth and not trying to ask this question um, in a controversial way, but is there a misconception about how Michael Jordan was and the, and the effect that that had on people? Um, and what just what was your take about the intensity he brought to practice and the effect that that had on the group? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's... Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. Obviously, you know, with with Scotty's, there's been some ex- excerpts from Scotty's book, and you know, the, the last dance was amazing, and it was an absolute walk down memory lane for me. We we 
because of how things ended in Chicago, and I'll get back to your question, you know, we, we, we haven't had one, we've, we've never been, been together, the team. Mm. That, that wow. team that won three championships, there's never been um, a, a Chicago Bull night. We've never been invited back. In 20-plus years. 20-plus years. You know, those teams were iconic teams and brought the city so much um, love and, and fun and, and, and memories, and, and we've, we've, we've never had a reunion. Wow. And it, 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 the other night, and I'll go even a little deeper, the other night they had a Joachim, Joachim Noah night where right. he, was a hell of a, he was a player who, and I have, I'm not disrespecting anyone, <clears throat> You know, and, and he was no. all defensive player, and they did it because Tibbs, the, the Knicks were playing. But I, I watched on TV because I watched the Bulls a lot, and his whole team, that team that that lost, I think in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were all there in a box. Yeah, Boozer was there. They Boozer were, yeah, was yeah, there. Everybody was there. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's there. My, I love Lou Alting. Yep. Um, I love all those guys. I, 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 you know, Keith Bogans is one of my good friends. He, he was there. I had a chance to coach with him. Has wow. nothing to do with those guys. I was, I, they're deserving, but it made me sad. Yeah. Because we, we went three, we went three champ. We didn't lose in the conference finals. Right. We, we had the greatest record ever, and 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 we won three championships, and and we've never, they've never done one thing. And I love those people there. I mean, it, it changed my life, all those people there. But because of how it ended, I, in particularly with Michael, you know, mm-hmm. him leaving and how it, it all ended, and it ended kind of ugly, and they just didn't bring us all back. And they told, you know, that's why it was called the last dance. Like before the season, they're like, this is it for you guys. And you're like, what? No, no, regardless of what happened. It's all saying. I mean, think about that. Are you kidding me? Would they ever have done that in in New England with uh, Tom Brady? And uh, hey, you know it's, it's over. I can no go. chance. But because of how it ended, there's such bad feelings and bad blood that it it makes me sad because it, it shouldn't be like that. Like we should all be together, our team in that box celebrating whoever. You know, and, and I'm not saying you know, he's totally deserving. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just pointing out that it just made me sad to see that they they, they brought that whole team back and they they don't bring us back. You know, for sure. Whoops, sorry, I went on a total side note there. So anyway, back, back to I'm glad back to Michael. He he, a f- phenomenal leader, incredible leader. He he led by example about his. I mean, you're talking about a guy that practiced. I mean, he didn't miss practices. There was no, what do they call it, TD now, when everyone's, you know, missing everything. Load right, management. no load management, yep. Yeah, there's no there's no load management. The guy, the guy practiced. You had to force him to sit out of practice. Him and Scotty, they wanted to practice. They loved to play. They loved mm-hmm. to compete. I mean, there were practices when they those we'd have a back-to-back and we'd be back at the facility the next day and Phil would take like the top eight up and the rest of us would be down, you know, playing four on four, staying ready, right? Stay ready for our opportunity. And those guys would come down and like sub me out. And I'd be like, 
Are you kidding me right now? You you played you played thirty eight minutes. I didn't play well. So so I mean, my point is that they they're competitors. They love to practice. So Michael was incredibly he's an intense individual. I already said he's competitive. He led by example. He led by his effort, and he led by fear. Mm. Like you 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 didn't want him on your bad side, you did not want to let him down. And so there's a price with that, right? Because if people ask you about it, a lot of people are like, oh, that guy was an asshole, you know? Oh, sorry, but, you know, whatever. He was right. guy was a jerk, but you go, well, that was his style. And by the way, we won. I got no problem with it at all. Right. Because, because we were, you know, if you act like that and you don't win, or whatever, it may not go over as well, but who's arguing, right? I mean, he changed all of our lives, and, and he was just an incredible, incredible leader. Was it always fun? No. Was it easy? No. Was it worth it? Absolutely. That's the price. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so going back to what you said about no, you didn't just – you used a phrase that was very self-deprecating, and, and you're way too humble, I think, with this, um, that you – everyone kind of fell into their role. And then you also said you knew your role. But to me, you not only knew your role, and I, I don't think any of you fell into it, but you, you were determined to to not let each other down, as you just said, to let Michael down, yeah. to not let Phil down. Obviously, to not let Steve down, as he was instrumental there. But to me, Steve Kerr and before him, John Paxson, were like the kings of not just knowing their role, but then being 100% in, both feet at all times, in excelling in that role um, and maybe even, you know, growing it into an outsized part of the team when called upon. And obviously we know the results of that in terms of Pax and Steve and those kind of series clenching yeah. shots that they made. Um, was yeah. that another thing you took from Steve Kerr and maybe from John before that, that I'm not going to just know my role, but I'm going to be literally the best guy in the league or certainly the best on this team at, understanding what's expected of me, but then going above and beyond to, to, to seize that and excel in that position. Yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred, exactly what you said. It was like, be the very best at whatever that role is, you know? I mean, and, and got you right. I mean, I love Pax. I got to play with him one year. He was an assistant coach and, and he was, you know, a total mentor for me as well because I watched what he did, you know, and how he was just high high IQ, tough as nails, defensively, knocks down open shots, makes the right play, can be trusted. And I, I think Steve, you know, fell into that role and, and did it incredibly, incredibly well. And, and then, you know, on, on a lesser note, I, I – try to emulate those guys and, and whatever my role was is, is to do that. So it's just, it's, 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 it's be the, be the best in your role, be the star in, in, in that role. And, and that other franchises would see that and go, wow, this, this guy can play this role and do it. At a, and he's incredible at it. You know what I mean? It's not easy to sit over there for 25, 30 minutes and get in a game and knock down a three pointer. I don't care how young you are. <laughs> no, that's that's one of the hardest it, it, things. It's not. It's not easy. It's just. It's it, that's that's a that's a talent. 
That's a talent, yeah. sit there. I mean, you're not like running up and down. You're sitting over there, sitting over there. And by the way, the longer you sit, it's inevitable that ball is going to find you and you're going to be open. Right? Right? It's just, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, that's just how the basketball guys work. Sit over there, don't play in the first half, you know, don't play in the third. They start you in the fill, starts you in the fourth, and it's a close game, and you're open immediately. Right. They make that shot after sitting there for like hours. <laughs> right. You know, besides besides halftime, but you know, you know what I mean. Like you're not you're not like, sure. You know, for for role players, you know, those shots are huge shots. We, we're not volume shooters. We're not going to yeah. take 15 shots in a game. We're not going to take get to the free throw line 10 times in a game. Right. So all those shots, the weight of those shots are huge. Because I may only get one. I only may get two. And, and by the way, that's going to affect my percentage because I'm not getting 20 of them. Again, yeah. You know what I mean? So you miss one, you know, you miss, you know, all of a sudden you go once for three or you know, whatever. It's, it's, so those, it's, it's I, I, I did it and I have great respect for like six men, seventh, eighth, you know, you know, string guys that, guys on the list that come in because it's it's not easy yeah mentally how did you stay ready how were you ready so that when your number was called you were ready just prepared and you just go out there and and also lock in defensively right maybe you're coming in your guard the best or the second best player on on the other team's first unit in that fourth quarter yeah I, i think well defensively was easy you know that you're just you study you're studying film Right, and they they're giving you 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 know these guys. You're watching them play. You know their strengths. You know their weaknesses. You know which way you want them to force them. Are they shooting? You know they like to go left, right. You know all of that. But but offensively, you you just I think you just have to trust the work. You know, you just have to trust that I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it down or I'm gonna play well because I put in a lot of work, and, and that gave me confidence. I trusted the work that I did, you know, and, and it, you have to have that because if you, if you don't trust the work or you don't feel like you – I felt like I deserved to have success out here. I, I've worked harder than anybody here, you know, and it's kind of that mindset of, like, I, you know, positivity, I'm, I'm going to be – it doesn't always work. Obviously, you miss shots and you make mistakes, but, but you just have to trust that you put the work in and that you're going to be successful. No, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, prep, the preparation. Yeah. Everybody always, obviously, uh, there's a lot you could probably say about what you learned from Phil Jackson, but, you know, you had the architect of the triangle offense there with you as well. You had some of these great yeah. longtime assistant coaches. What What did you learn from yeah. either like a, a Tex winner or any of the other assistant coaches that were involved in, in the team during that three-peat? Well, Tex, Tex was really the guy. I mean, he, he, Phil basically, when it was time to work on our offense, Phil handed the whistle basically to Tex, and Tex mm. was he, he he ran the show, and he he was so great because he was older and grumpy and, and 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 all about the details. It was like the little tiny details of everything, like where do you pass it to someone, where did it hit him. It hit him in the chest. It hit him down low. Like he's watching all of it, and and it, it it was a factor because 
in a tight game in a final, it gets down and, and you, you need to make that pass. It's a lot easier as a shooter to catch it, you know, TD right right in the shooting pocket, whether than grab it from your ankle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it was the Sweet details spot. of the game, how hard you were cutting, where your passes were, the crispness of the I mean, he that's why I, I, I had so much success there because that's that's what I was taught in Arizona. That's what I was taught in high school, right? These fundamentals of basketball, you know, and, and text was like, you know, he, he's on, you know, he's on Michael and Scotty about their passing on, you know, where that ball, I mean, he didn't, he, he, he was on everybody, you know what mm. I mean? And that's what you mm. loved about him, you know, but I think just that I would say it was really him offensively and it was the attention to detail. The littlest things that, you know, where the offense, I mean, he had it down. The, the, the spacing of the offense had to be perfect. But, you know, spacing's huge. It's huge right now in the NBA, right? I mean, everyone right. just spaces the court. You've got all these shooters. And, you know, there's not a lot of centers anymore because everyone's shooting the three. I mean, the game has obviously evolved into what it is. But I, I think attention to detail and, and just being a perfectionist with it like it had to be crisp it had to be sharp the cuts had to be game speed this was you know every shoot around every practice kind of like just five on oh dummy offense they would call it with no defense like you had to make the way you cut the way you pivot like everything had to be just perfect and and on point and on time with him it sounds like then he was almost like a master cobbler, like the art of shoe building, or a master boat builder. Like uh, <laughs> I, ju- I, just re- I just read, just read. Yeah, I, I just read. The reason I say that, um, particularly the boat builder part, is I just reread the brilliant book "The Boys in the Boat" by Daniel James Brown oh, yeah. and um, George Yeoman mm. Pocock, my fellow Englishman. You know, who was not just he was almost a de facto assistant coach and mentor to the kids as well, but built built the shells, the rowing shells, for the top 25, maybe the top 50 rowing programs in the country, the best boat builder in the world. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Tex, Tex was almost dedicated to being that, you know, that master boat builder, but to the craft of almost an offensive coordinator role, it seems like. No, you, you the word master, mm-hmm. that's what he was. He was a master of the triangle offense and how it should look and how it should go and how, what reads and if they're playing you this way. I mean, he would, it was incredible. I mean, in, when, in film sessions, he was, he was hilarious, right? Cause he was a very brash, you know, there was, there was, there wasn't a lot, there's no, as you get older, there's less filter, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. He didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't have a filter. He just didn't, mm-hmm. he'd see it, didn't care who it was. It would just blow him up on, you know, whatever, but it had to be right. I mean, there's stories, it didn't happen to us, but in the early 90s, I heard their first three championships, they beat Portland. I think, I think they played Portland, right? Sure. They win the championship. They're in the locker room doing, you know, the champagne celebration, and Texas over there talking about, you know, something about the turnovers they had. <laughs> the and it was like that. We 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 we're, we're talking champagne bottles right now. Okay, you can let that go. <laughs> that that that's how that's how he was. I mean, he was just it was his life, and he was he was a master craftsman. That's that's what he was. 
No, I love that. Um, So it shows a lot of humility on Coach Jackson's part, too, that he was willing to hand him the keys in that way. Yeah. No, I I think Phil Phil built a staff and gave everybody, you know, I, I joined, that's where I met. Met, met TD, but you know, I when I got into into coaching with the Lakers, but I mean Phil, Phil, I, I he, he looking back because I wasn't really paying attention to the coaching side of it back then, but like he, <laughs> he really um, let everybody have a voice, which I think is really important for a staff. You know, mm. I, I you know you 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 put a put a staff together is the reason you're getting these guys, and it's important for everyone to have a voice. To, you know, to be coaching to be heard and and Phil was was good with that. We would let you know, text would go on and on and on and on, so he'd have to cut him off a couple times, but <laughs> but 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 he let, you know, all of our coaches, Jimmy Clemens and the rest, you know, the late Frank Hamblin, like mm. they all did scouts and they all had, you know, it wasn't all you know, Phil's at least at that point, you know, I don't know how it was in LA, but he, you know, he he his ego was wasn't was in check, you know, he, he let everybody do their part, just like our team. The coaching staff has roles too, right? And right. he let them do do their roles. Yeah, you you talked a little bit, Judd, about Ron Harper, one of your favorite teammates. I have a term that I use with my team here at TD Athletes Edge in terms of what it means to be an A plus teammate. Um, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of your teammates would point to you if, if you know, we said, here's the mic, tell us who your, your A-plus teammate was. Who, who is that for you? Um, it could be, it could be any, any stop in the, in the journey for you. It doesn't have to be Bulls. Well, I mean, I had a lot of great teammates. For sure. I mean, you know, we're talking Bulls. I mean, obviously, Steve, I had, you know, Luke Longley, Tony, Randy Brown. You know, Scotty was one of my favorite teammates that I ever had, Scotty mm. Pippen. I mean, he was, you know, um, super supportive. Um, you know, I, I had to practice against him every single day. So yeah. we, we went at it, but he was respectful of me. I think he appreciated my effort, he knew he was going to have to work, you know, he's going to, you know, have, he couldn't just roll out there, you know, and just go. Right. He, that wasn't his style anyway, but I, you know, he was great. You know, early years, um, Kimmy Hardaway, I had him in Golden State. I had, I had the, the great Chris Mullen in Golden wow. State. Wow. Who, um, th- those two guys were amazing. One of the all-time great teammates that I've ever had is, is Grant Hill. I had a chance to play with Grant Hill both in Detroit and in Orlando at the end of my career. One what, of the, made, what made Grant stand out? He's just an incredible human being. Mm. I mean, you know, just, just, just a, a very thoughtful, kind, um, just an incredible human um, just from his intellect, just the way he handled things, super positive. Yeah. Um, you know, guys that could, you know, teammates that knew if you were down a little bit could pick you up. Hey, I'm here. I got you. Hey, let's let's go take extra shots or you know whatever you you know whatever. And, and Grant, you know, guys guys like Grant had the ability to get you really easy shots. 
to, <laughs> right. to, get, to get you back going. But those are, I mean, I played with, with so many. I had so many sure. good friendships along the way. But um, of, of those, of those, yeah. the ones that just popped in my head, I mean, I'm yeah. forgetting a bunch. Were were some were those guys? Just just, and it all comes down that they're just high character, right? High character people, right? You just want to be around high character people in your life. Surround yourself with that, and, and you're you're in good shape. It's enjoyable to be around. That, that yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's in our control, right? And, and yeah, you yeah. know, it's um, it's just. <laughs> I think sometimes people are looking for the secret that makes them successful, and <laughs> that's one of the common denominators. What um, what what was it like, Judd? Post bulls. Was that chapter? Um, describe it. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, so I, I left there. I went to Detroit. Um, you know, I was I was probably at the peak of my career because I was feeling incredibly confident. I was a three-time world champion, and I, and I yeah. had I had some really good individual years in Detroit. Um, I had my best shooting year the very next year. And, and hit like, you know, put us up like I had like whatever I had like seven or eight shots under a minute to give us the lead like that year. And I was you know coming off the bat. I mean, I had I had a really good year. Um, it was always there was no place to go from there, right? right? I mean, you're at the pinnacle. You're on that team with those stars and winning championships. So. Everything else team wise was never gonna live up to that. But sure. You know, it, it um I went to Detroit, I spent three years there in Detroit and, and had a good time and then I got traded to Phoenix and then traded to Orlando and that's where it kind of just all that that's where I knew it was time. So I you know, I kind of bounced around in the beginning to find my footing, to find like my, my role, like what kind of NBA player, and then I ended up Golden State. For like three years, Chicago four, Detroit three. I mean, that that was kind of the meat, right? Yeah, of, yeah, of my yeah, career. Yeah. And then at the end, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a journeyman, but um, it, it, it was it, it wasn't easy just because of we we you know you you have that type of success in one place and the friendships that develop out of that. And all of that winning, and then you go someplace else, and you're losing, and you don't have the same friendships, and yeah. it's it just it's the culture is not there necessarily. Culture, exactly. The culture is not even close to being the same. You're kind of driving home from practice, going, "Oh my gosh, like what am I? What, these people don't even know what they're doing." You know, amateur <laughs> hour, amateur. Yeah, hour. yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can when did you know? What you said you kind of got to Orlando, and and yeah. you know, you you started to what 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 was that? I mean, was that was that an easy drop of the hat for you? This is it. I know it. Um, it yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't as hard for me as I think it is for for a lot of other athletes. I I got to the end to where um, I wasn't having the same success. I was having a harder time competing. And mm. keeping up because I was older, and there's younger guys coming in the league, and yeah. then at the end of the day, TD, I, I I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was basically 
I love I love practice. Practices were my games pretty much. Right. Right. And and and, and when I got to the point where like I didn't I wasn't loving practice. I wasn't excited to go. It, it like turned into like this job where like, I had to go. I'm like, okay, I'm not having success. I'm not happy. I think you know this has been a hell of a run for me. You sure. know, I, I I this 12 year I I'm I think it's time. You know, it, it, and then and, and I have other interests. You know, so it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like oh my gosh, like what what's my identity? which happens to a lot of guys, which is just kind of a bummer, but that's the way it is. But I I had other things that I wanted to do. I, I dipped back in and started playing some volleyball again, right. some really high-level high volleyball. And then I fell in love with some other – I turned into an avid surfer. I traveled all over and did and, and surfed and, and started playing tennis. I just started – I had other things that I just wanted to do. You know, little little bit of full circle because you know you described what yeah. it's like you know before you even you know get into high school and you're saying I yeah. tried everything you know and yeah. and yeah. Well, I don't know if I have this right Judd and I've never you know you know talked it through with you but you kind of stayed away from the game itself and the league a little bit you know from a you know pulse on the you know ear to the tracks kind of you know an, an active role right for for how how long after the Orlando um, stint, like fifteen years. Right. Was I, that, I, got, was I, that... I, I was done. I was done. <laughs> yeah. I no part of it. I didn't. I, I I couldn't even watch it for a long time. Wow. I, I didn't want to watch it. I I needed it. It was. I had had enough of it, and I really stepped away um, from it. I I live in San Diego, TD. You know that, and. Yep. There's no, there's no basketball besides the Lakers, right? But they're up in LA, you know. So there's like, I, I moved to a, back to my hometown where there's not even a pro team here. Sure. So it was so it was easy to kind of escape it. I jumped into my daughter's sports. I coached volleyball, my daughter's teams for 12, 13 years, and then they both went off to college. And I thought, okay. And then I had that's when I had an opportunity after a long hiatus being right. away. And not just like being away, like totally absent from it. Yeah. Right? And I wasn't even watching much basketball. And that's where you and I came together because Luke Wall yeah. was a friend. And I thought, wow, this, I kind of want to give this a shot, you know? And I had the time and I was in the ability to do it. And I was lucky enough that, that Luke, Luke gave me a shot. And that's, and that's where we, you know, got together. And then I did Absolutely. it. So, yeah, I did it for uh, I did it for four years, two years in L.A. Then I went to New York, the New York Knicks, and that was kind of fun. Just you know, checking the box about being in New York. New York's oh, incredible, incredible cities. You know, oh, just the energy, and we were we were we were dead terrible. But <laughs> but you know, there's that the Madison Garden. That 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 Madison Garden is is a special place. Nothing like I mean, that. Every single game that I had a chance to walk in there and walk up that ramp in Madison Square Garden was so awesome. I mean, I love, I love that building, the history. It's the last great arena. It's the last Mecca. great building. It's the Mecca, yeah. So even though we were losing almost all of our games, it, it still was an honor to be there and in that building, and, and that was a thrill. And then and now I'm just back in San Diego taking care of my family and my, my dad and my sister, and I'm in, a, I'm in a good spot. But, yeah, they, they, 
Yeah, the, the was, there was a big gap between. Was the um, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, it was a big gap. That, you know, your question was, yeah, it was about 13, 14 right, years. Right, right. I was retired. I wanted nothing. To, I didn't want to touch a basketball. But, yeah, by design. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I I think I've made, like, you know, a thousand shots a day for the last, like, right. 20 years. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that anymore, you know. So, well, I mean, so I, got, I, so I got away from it. I, I think that's so, you know, just the self-awareness that that's what you needed at that moment. You know, you had yeah. poured, you had poured everything into it, as you said, yeah. even very early on when there was a sort of fork in the road. Do I go volleyball? Yeah. Do I go basketball? It was, well, no, yeah. I put all, I put all this into basketball at that point. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was just, you know, at the, at the very tip of the iceberg for you. And so yeah. I think that's incredible. Did you, find that the was the was the coaching experience for you what you expected um wow that's a great question i i unfortunately i i enjoyed it i enjoyed being around the players i needed to get caught up to speed with the nba game yeah because it it had changed a yeah. lot yeah from when i from when i played the defensive coverages the terminology i mean like that first year you, you remember i'm like trying to keep up because i'm like we didn't call it this you know 100 years you <laughs> right. know I mean? it was like we, we didn't call you know we, we called it something else but there's like this whole new terminology and way to play defense i'm keeping the ball on one side and i was like okay I, i'm such a green i'm a, I'm a rookie again like i don't, <laughs> right. I, I, don't I don't know i mean i need to learn all this stuff and I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed being around the guys because I, I like being a part of the team, you know. And yes. like, yeah. The team's a team. The coaching staff's a team. You know, all the great times we had together with, you know, yeah. your your team and, and us coming together, the staff, and okay. I, I really enjoyed that. But I I, I was horribly unsuccessful. <laughs> I mean, that the, the first year we won twenty six games. Right. The second year we won thirty five. Yeah. Not even close to the playoffs. Not even right. Close. I, right. I go I, I moved to New York. We win seventeen games. Set, set a record tied the worst record the Knicks have ever had. One seventeen. The following year we get to twenty and and, and the NBA gets shut down for COVID. Right. Twenty five, twenty six, thirty five, seventeen, twenty. So it was painful. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost more games in four years than I did almost in my entire career. I mean, it was right. a I mean, it was it was it was a lot of losing, and losing is hard. It's hard on everyone. It's hard on the head coach. You know, TD. It trickles down to everybody. Everyone. Everyone's under a microscope. Everyone's pointing fingers. Why? Eggshells. Everyone's get it off of me. It's not my fault. It's someone yep. else's fault. How about just yep. looking in the mirror? It's, it's all right. our fault, right? Yep. Look yep. in the mirror. But that you know, that's not how it works, and you know that better than anybody. For sure. So they just. It was a lot of losing, and so it was hard. It was really hard, and uh, and I, am I happy I did it? Of course. I, I I have a bunch of new awesome people that I met. The experience, right. new staff. I mean, you and I got to know each. I mean, you just go down the list, right? There's yeah. just like a ton of great people that I met that I call friends that I'm so stoked that 
they came into my life. Um, so there's that positive of it. I love being on a group, but but the losing was was really hard. Hard. That that is, you know, I think I think that's one of the pieces that gets lost from a, you know, even a a, a very in tune kind of outside perspective and, yeah. and somebody who's watching with a tight pulse on everything is, um, you know, when you're taking those L's and, and it matters to everybody, right? I mean, nobody wants to be there, you know, taking another L, but you've got to get on that plane again and you've got to go back to square one and, and try to figure out how to do it again tomorrow night and, and not have that outcome. And it's just, I think sometimes it's coming so fast and furious um, in, in, in that league and, and, you know, in the NBA life that it's hard to turn that ship around in a, in a small port sometimes, you know? No, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it, it, it you, you need to have, yeah, you, you need so many things and factors and you know, this. I mean, you, you, you got to have the talent. First of all, yeah, yeah. you got to have guys that can put the ball in the basket, you know. And if right. you don't have that, you, you know, it, it's hard. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of things that you need to have go go the right way. And and once it starts to slide and the losing starts, it's just it's uh, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Throughout well, that, what, what how fun? do you? Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, how do you? try to help particularly younger players keep their heads screwed on right and maintain a winning mindset, even if there are L's piling up, you know, in the loss column. Yeah. So, you know, the, you, you watch a lot of film with them and I was, I was very specific to try and, um, you know, not, not point out all the negative, you know, you want to point out a ton of positives, especially if the team's losing and you know it's it's uh you know we all we all kind of get assigned players that we look after and that we work with and, and it's it's a coach's job to mentor those guys even you know i mean not i mean if they're older players but i had i had some young guys that weren't playing and were struggling and then you you know you need to keep them up keep them going mentor them along the way you know, everything that I learned as a player, I'm trying to share with them. Um, I'm trying to do make have their workouts be fun. You know, it's it's important to have joy in what you're doing. You know, and if you're losing, and no one's happy if you're losing, and if you're losing and you're not playing, then it's a double whammy because you're not even being able to play. So, I just try to keep them positive, upbeat their workouts, make them fun and, and give them, instill them some confidence any, in any way I could. So, you know, just, just to keep their, their heads on straight because a lot of them come from, you know, programs that win all the time. You know, yeah. you come from a, a Duke or a Kentucky, these, you know, that, you know, all of a sudden now they're losing. It's, it's, it, it's hard on them. So it, there's, there's a lot more, to, to the coaching side than just kind of the X's and O's and working on your jump shot, right? You need to massage their mind. you got to make sure you're bringing them along and, and, and maturing them along the way. And, and I think a lot of coaches miss out on that. They focus just a lot on, hey, we're going to, you know, work on pick and roll. You're coming off the pick and roll 100 million times. Well, 
maybe the kid needs, maybe you just need to sit down with them and have lunch with them and talk to them. You know, mm-hmm. the mental, I mean, that mental side is, as we all know now, because it's such a major thing. It's always been a major thing, but now it's been brought to the forefront, you know. But you got to, you got to keep them, keep them positive, keep them feeling like they're on the right path, keep their energy up because losing, losing's hard, especially in any professional sport because the finger pointing and the rumblings and all the stuff that takes place while you're losing is, is, is not good. Yeah. It's a, it's not a game of W's and L's in terms of just what's going on objectively on the scoreboard. But like you said, this is a, a game of a, a group of humans, you know, um, specialists, yeah. you know, in roles like TDs as, as strength and conditioning coach there, um, yeah. ATs, PTs, team physicians, trainers, um, you know, all the support staff in the arena, you know, the chefs, the folks doing the hydration stations um, through the coaching staff and the players. It's a group of people. So I love that you kept it a people focused endeavor, even when, you know, the objective or or qualitative side of the game um, maybe wasn't showing the results that that everyone wanted. Exactly. No, I mean, I, I, I forget who said it, but, you know, player development starts when they walk in the building and it starts with everybody. It's Mm. not just, the coach that's in charge of the kid. It's it's the strength coach. Like if a kid was struggling and TD, you know, TD's working with them, he can give them some pause. You know what I mean? It's right. all of us looking after, especially these young kids that aren't are coming in at such a young age. You know, yeah. they need from the moment they walk in the building, the player development starts. That's from everybody in the building it needs to be like, you know, you know, positive. Teaching these kids, you know, the, you know, just just kind of mentoring them and and on, on how to make it through because they don't they don't know any better, you know. That's right. So it's, it is it, it's it's the whole thing. I mean, the value, the the, the strength, the 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 strength, the 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 weightlifting room or the strength room is huge. It's huge to go in there, feel good about yourself, you know, you know. CD always had a great, positive, good, positive energy in there. You know, and a lot of guys didn't, you know, didn't really want to put in the work, but you get them going. You tease them, you get right. them going, you put on some music, you, you push all the buttons, right, TD, to get them, right. to get them going, to, hey, this is going to make you better type thing. Let's, let's have fun with this. This shouldn't be a chore. This should be fun. But it starts with that. It starts with the people in the, the medical staff, in the training room working on them, like it all, it's all connected. In, in the programs that have success, it's all connected. All yeah. Connected. Yep. Yep. Everybody's on a string with that. Everyone's and I think on the same page. You said it so perfectly. Is look, you have to have this. This maybe it's innate, maybe it's you know something you you pick up over time, but it's some of both probably. But it's this ability to recognize when, you know what. This guy just needs to get out of the practice yeah. facility today. We need to go have a burger. We need to, yeah. you know, and, and you know, just it, the, the, the fishbowl is, is really, you know, it, it's intense, right? And, and um, you know, that's where, I mean, I start to think about what you're saying and, and the, the perspective as, as you're describing it, the, the coaching portion of your chapter was, 
um, rewarding in many ways, but really gnarly in other ways because of the L's that were there. But you start thinking about the what you're describing and how your perspective was. You start looking at you have you know literal ties to Wooden, Lute Olson, Phil Jackson, Tex Winter. I mean, you know this stuff isn't just you know the, then the playing success you had in in and around those those coaches. Yeah. It's it's pretty powerful. So man, that's that's incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I, I was again gratitude. Very, yeah. very happy yeah. for all, for all of it. I'm, I couldn't be any happier. I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm I'm at peace with what happened. I would have, of course, liked to have been on, you know, been involved in some better teams that I coached. But that's that. You know, that's all part of it too. And in in some ways, it makes me appreciate those years we won even more, you know, because yeah. I hadn't really been right. part of like, like losing teams like that my whole career. I mean, those, right. you know, that, 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 that was hard. And at the end, it's all about the people, right? TD, it's people you meet, the friendships you make. That's, that's what you remember. Right. I, I mean, you worked with like Julius. I got a chance to work with Julius. Man. The greatest human beings ever. Oh, I mean, I, I, and I watch him today, and I know you do too. And how how happy are we? So I, yeah, no, you and I are, are just thinking the same things because we were yeah. with him when you know there were the growing pains that every young player sure. has to go through. Now, yeah. for some players, that they, they don't have the ability to look at things as resources to go back to to reflect and say, how can I, you know, learn from this? How can I get better? Julius had that, you know, wasn't a coincidence that he could eventually put it together the way he has. And, you know, that, that's the, you know, that's the kind of guy that it just kind of gives you goosebumps, you know? Yeah. I'm so happy for him because you, you were with him when he was struggling. I had him in New York. Right. He, he couldn't, you know, that was after he signed up the biggest deal he had. He didn't right. know how to, handle it because he's now the man and he doesn't really know how to be the man right because right. he's right he's never been the man so he was like pressing all the time and and then he just it finally clicked and he just settled in and and you know it's, it's guys like that that you see have success that um that you if you, you just think that maybe you had you just had a little something to do with it you, you, you feel great about it ah it's the best no, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's the best, and especially when, you know, they deserve it. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, – well, Judd, this has been incredible. I want to be res- – I could just keep going, but uh, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> – you know, we'll, we'll do a part two. But uh, this, was, um, this was just phenomenal. I – you know, I think people listening will just be able to kind of go back over these conversations and, you know, to the gravity and the depth of what you bring to – you know, way beyond, you know, the the outward, you know, how that success that you had happened. Sure. And, yeah. and thank you for shedding some light on that. And um, we yeah. finish we finish every show with a question. Um, this is the Basketball Strong podcast. And so um, what I ask every every guest is to tell us what it means to you to be basketball strong. Mm. And you well, could go. You could go spiritual on this. You could go technical. You could go any way you want. This is your definition. I mean, to me, the, when you, when you said basketball strong, it, it made it made me think about all the time 
that I put in with that sport mm. and, and just, uh, from such a, a young age, you know, like we started off, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade all the way through and, you know, all those steps that I made and the success and, you know, and having a lot of luck with that too, being at the right place at the right time, it just, it, it, it makes me feel great that um, I had that in my life and it's, it's shaped me big time of, of who I am today. I, I don't hang my hat on any of it, but all those experiences and going through all the ups and downs really shape you to the person you are and how I parent and how I am in a relationship. Mm. And I, I feel like all of it made me strong. And I'm, and I'm very proud of that. Well, that's, uh, that you can underline that and, um, you should be. And, and we're, we're just so grateful for you taking the time out of your, your schedule to, to share this with us and to, to listeners because this is going to help a lot of people. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, and we hope you did, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. And so you never miss a weekly episode, be sure to subscribe and follow. You can find previous episodes on our show website, that's www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. For more basketball performance resources and nagging injury solutions, follow me on Instagram at TD Athletes Edge and follow Phil at Phil White Books. Until next week's episode, stay basketball strong.